Alrighty, hey, check this out. There was this uh, tough old cowboy, and uh, he once told his grandson that if he wanted to live a long life, check it out, this was the secret, okay? You need to sprinkle a little bit of gunpowder on your oatmeal every single morning, right? Gunpowder, every morning. Are you paying attention? Right? Okay, that's right. And so respecting the wisdom of his grandfather, the grandson did this religiously every single day of his life. <laughs> and sure enough, he lived to a ripe old age of 93. Yeah, if I get this, when he died, he left 14 children, 28 grandchildren, 35 great-grandchildren, and a 15-foot hole in the wall in the crematorium <laughs> from that gunpowder. But that's right. <laughs> hey, that's right. Hey, uh, how many guys would say that uh, Byron's grandfather left an explosion ending there? It's pretty... Okay, he's a long line of cowboys, believe it or not, that's right. And, uh, but folks, I want to share an explosive truth with you on this 4th of July coming up, okay? And hopefully we know that 4th of July, hello, is a time where we gather and we celebrate, as we just saw, our nation's amazing independence from what? From tyranny, from oppression, and how our founding fathers, boy, you talk about men, as we're going to see men of God, I mean, they were willing to risk it all. They give up their livelihood, they give up their land, they give up their finances, their comfort, everything to maintain our freedoms. We have the classic phrase, right? Give me liberty or give me death, okay? And here's the explosive truth I wanna share with you today. This is what's sad. This is the bombshell. Most Americans, even Christians Americans, we have no stinking idea what it was that made our country so great. What it was that provided the amazing backbone of our founding fathers and, and how they could do what they did. Think about our heritage, folks. This really happened. This isn't just some Hollywood show. I mean, here they were. These men were able to look death square in the face and say, absolutely not. No more. That's it. We've had it. No more oppression. No more tyranny. We demand our freedoms and we demand them now. How in the world could a ragtag bunch of people, because that's what they were, how could they take on the greatest nation on the planet at that time and whoop their pants off? Well, folks, here's the secret. Believe it or not, the answer is simple. What made our country great, America great, was because America was founded on Christianity. And the first way we know America was founded on Christianity is, hello, our founding fathers say so. Okay, but don't take my word for it. Let's take a look at a verse that they took very serious. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let's take a look there. First Corinthians chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter three. We're gonna read verses 10 through 15. And uh, let's take a look at what our founding fathers believed about the importance of laying a foundation, including the foundation, hello, of our country, okay? And what's that supposed to be? Let's take a look. First Corinthians chapter three, okay, verses 10 through 15, let's take a look at what Paul says to you and I. And here's what he says. He says, uh, uh, as an, uh, by the grace of God that God has given me, I laid a what? A foundation as an expert builder, okay? Okay, and somebody else is building upon it. But he says each one should be careful how he builds. Why? Because no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is who? Not a slab of concrete. It's Jesus Christ. That's the foundation as an expert builder if you want something to stand the test of time. He says, now, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Okay, if what he has built survives, okay, he will receive his reward. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. Now, he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. You made it out of there with just smoke coming off your back end, which is not, not a good thing. It's, it's almost like you wasted your whole time building on that foundation called Jesus Christ. 
Now, folks, what I'm here to tell you is, believe it or not, this charge from Paul to not waste our lives on temporary things and make sure whatever you do, whatever endeavor you do, including founding a country, that if you want that thing to last, if you want to be an expert builder, even of nations, you need to have a proper foundation. And our founding fathers firmly believed this, and they realized, and they built our country on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Period. We're going to see that uh, very emphatically here in just a second, okay? But we have been lied to. Folks, you need to wake up. Our Christian heritage has been completely rewritten and totally ripped off, and we are now being told, I just read you the article, okay, that our founding fathers did not want our country built on Jesus Christ, okay? And we are now being told that they demanded a separation of church and state, which has basically come to mean you need to keep Christianity out at all costs. But people, I'm here to tell you that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell, okay? The next time somebody says, including this article, including our uh, U.S. Supreme Court, says separation of church and state, and they even mentioned there in the article, in the Constitution, right? That's an article about our Supreme Court. Ask them, challenge them. Where is the phrase separation of church and state? Show it to me in the Constitution, because it ain't there. Show me where the phrase separation of church and state appears in the Bill of Rights. It's not there. We're being lied to. It appeared in a letter. In a letter in 1802 by Thomas Jefferson's, that's where it came from, and it's completely ripped out of context, okay? It's in a letter in 1802 by the Danbury Baptist of Connecticut, and they wrote Thomas Jefferson because they were concerned about another Christian denomination that was very popular at that time called the Congregationalists, okay? And they wrote to him because they were concerned that the U.S. government was going to put their stamp of approval on the congregational Christian denomination and say, we are now officially America congregational Christians. Okay? That's what they were concerned of. And Thomas Jefferson, what he did, he wrote back to them and he said basically that uh, he had a confidence in the First Amendment, which is in the Bill of Rights, and it states this, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Now, when our founding fathers talked religion, we're going to see this in a second, it's talking about Christianity. It's not talking about religion like Buddhism, Islam, Muslim, and everything else under the sun. When they used the word religion, they meant specifically and only Christianity. And so Thomas Jefferson said, listen, just go back to what is in the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, i.e. Christian, a Christian denomination over another one, and they cannot prohibit the free exercise thereof. He had full confidence that the First Amendment guaranteed, listen, that no Christian denomination would be chosen as the official Christian denomination of the United States. That's what was meant by the phrase he used in a letter, not the Constitution, not the Bill of Rights. That's what he meant by the statement there, separation in church and state, and look what's happened today. I just read the stinking article. The U.S. Supreme Court says that's what our founding fathers wanted, and, it's not, and they even said in the U.S. Constitution. It's not even there. It's ripped out of historical context from a letter in 1802 by Thomas Jefferson. And it's used against you and I again and again and again and again to say, get out of here, Christians. America, folks, was founded as a Christian nation based on Christian principles, period. And if you want more proof of this, listen to the Founding Fathers. They wanted the guarantee of us to continue with our Christian heritage, not the exclusion of it. Let's take a look at just a few of their quotes, folks. I don't have time for all of them, but this will just whet your appetite. John Adams, the second president of our country, United States, said the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of what? 
Christianity, direct quote here, folks. He said, without religion, notice when they say religion, it's the context of what? Christianity, okay? Without religion, this world would be something not fit to be mentioned in polite company. I mean hell. Things would go to hell if you got away from Christianity. What's happening today? Okay, this is our second president. He said the Christian religion is, above all the religions that ever prevailed or existed in ancient or modern times, the religion of wisdom, virtue, equity, and humanity. It's the best of all, is what he said. Okay, John Quincy Adam, the sixth president, said this. My hopes of a future life are all founded upon the gospel of who? Christ. He said in the chain of human events, the birthday, you know what we're getting ready to celebrate, Independence Day, the birthday of the nation, America, is indissolubly linked with the birthday of who? Jesus, the Savior, okay? He says, the declaration of independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of what? Christianity. And what did this goofball current U.S. Supreme Court say? Utter blasphemy. Our founding fathers must be rolling over in the graves, folks. We have been absolutely lied to. Okay, Patrick Henry, you know, give me liberty, give me that. Listen to what he said. Being a Christian, that's the number one most important thing. Being a Christian is a character which I prize far above all this world has or can boast. Righteousness alone is what exalts you and I, Americans, as a nation, okay? The great pillars of all government and social life are virtue, morality, and religion. Notice the context. Christianity is what they're talking about. This is the armor, my friend. This alone is what renders us invincible. That's what made us so great was Christianity. Let's continue on. John Jay, listen, the original chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Remember what the article said? Listen to what the original guy said. Listen to this. He said, mercy and grace and favor did come by who? Jesus Christ. By conveying the Bible to people, we certainly do them the most interacting act of torture because we have to exclude it. That's what kindness he says this is why, because the most effectual means of securing the continuance of our civil and religious liberties is always to remember the reverence and gratitude, the source from which they flow. Where? The Bible. Okay, the Bible is the best of all books for it's the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. He says, so continue therefore to read it and regulate your life by its precepts. The original chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court is saying this, folks, okay? Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers. Pay attention, folks. And it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians as their rulers. And yet we're being told that our founding fathers say, no, get Christianity out. That's what they wanted, separation, church, and state. I'm telling you, folks, we've been lied to. Benjamin Rush, he's the father of public schools under the Constitution. Direct quote, listen to schools. This is schools. The gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the wisest of rules for just conduct in every situation in life. Happy they who are enabled to obey them in all situations, schools. The great enemy of the salvation of man, Satan, in my opinion, never invented a more effective means of limiting Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible at the schools. This is the guy who headed it up. He said that came from Satan. That's what will destroy us. He goes on. He said, Christianity is the only true and perfect religion. Notice again, I belabor that. When they say religion, it's not Buddhism, Islam, everything under the sun. It's Christianity. Okay? And in proportion as mankind adopts its principles, Christianity, and obeys its precepts, they will be wise and happy. The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books. 
That's what he said, folks. That's from the foundation of our school system. Noah Webster, he was the schoolmaster to America. He said, the religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and his apostles. This is genuine Christianity, and to this we owe our free constitutions of government. And yet we're supposed to rip it out? He said, the moral principles and precepts found in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and law. That's why they were in the court systems, folks. He says, I am persuaded that no civil government of a Republican form can exist and be durable in which the precepts of Christianity have not a controlling influence. That's why they're taking them out. We'll get to that in a second, folks. Okay, but he said, that's what it is. George Washington, give me a break. Here's what he said. You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life. And above all, the religion of who? Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. While we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and good soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. Again, Christianity. He said, to the distinguished uh, character of the patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of a Christian. The greatest thing we can do as a people is yes, praise God, serve your country. Yes, please be a patriot. But the best thing you can do, our first president said, is you need to be a Christian. The first president, and I close with this, folks. How can you get any more clear than this? Congress, the U.S. House Judiciary Committee in 1854, put it on the line. Had the people during the revolution had a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, you know, like we're seeing today. Listen, he said that revolution would have been strangled in this cradle. The only reason why we whooped the pants off of England, okay, the greatest nation on the planet, folks, was because we followed Jesus Christ. And here's what they said. Listen, Congress, in this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of our founders of the republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. Now, let me read that article to you again that says this. The U.S. Supreme Court on Monday said that the war memorial with the cross violated the constitutional ban on government's endorsement of religion. The case involved whether a religious symbol can be prominently displayed on public land and whether the cross violated the U.S. Constitution's requirement of separation of church and state. Lie! I can drink water for that one. <laughs> Folks, I hope you get incensed today. Because we need to desperately, as Christians, get a spiritual backbone like our founding fathers had if there's any hope for our nation. I, I understand. I think I really got it figured out, folks. Why we have been so stinking lied to. Why they're ripping us off of our true heritage. I think it's pretty simple when you put it together, when you understand what the heritage is. What made our country so great was Jesus Christ. That we were a Christian nation, clearly. That's why we prosper, because God prospered us. That's why we could whoop anybody on the planet, because God was behind us whooping them. Therefore, if you want to once again bring us under the hands of bondage and slavery and tyranny, what do you have to keep from the people? You have to keep their true heritage away because the heritage shows us the way out of the current mess we're in. Folks, we are once again, wake up. We're under the hands of oppression. We have people once again bringing us under tyranny. But the good news is our founding fathers left us a trail of evidence of how to get our nation back again. We have to get back to the foundation of Jesus Christ and we can turn around. That's why they're trying to keep us from us. We have to get that backbone like they did, like this guy did. He says this, I love this quote. He says, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness 
will not be in danger because somebody said a 30-second prayer at a football game. What's the big deal? He said, it's not like somebody's up there reading the entire book of Acts. He said, they're just talking about God in whom they believe, and they're asking him to grant safety to the players on the field and the fans going home to the game. <gasps> but what about the atheists? What about them? He said, nobody's asking them to be baptized. We're not going to pass the collection plate. Just humor us for 30 seconds. Is that asking too much? Bring a Walkman, a pair, a pair of earplugs, go to the bathroom, visit the concession stand, go call your lawyer. He said, unfortunately, one or two will make that call. One or two will tell tens of thousands of Americans what they can and cannot do. But it's a Christian prayer, some will argue. Yes, and this is the United States of America, a country founded on Christian principles. Check the phone book. Christian churches still outnumber every other one 200 to 1. So what do you expect? Somebody hand, uh, chanting Hare Krishna? If I went to a football game in Jerusalem, I'd expect to hear a Jewish prayer. If I went to a soccer game in Baghdad, I'd expect to hear a Muslim prayer. If I went to a ping pong patch in, in China, I'd expect to hear a Buddha prayer. But this is America, so why are we shocked when we hear a Christian prayer? Our parents, our grandparents taught us to pray. Our Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Now a handful of people and their lawyers are telling us to cease from praying. And whatever you do, stop saying the name of Jesus Christ. God help us. And if that last sentence offends you, sue me. He said the silent majority has been silent too long. And it's high time we tell the one or two who can scream loud enough that the vast majority doesn't care what they want. It's time that the majority rules. It's time that we tell them, Christians, you don't have to pray. You don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to attend our services that honor him. That's your right. And we will honor your right. But by golly, you are not going to take our rights away because we are fighting back and we will win. Why? Because we are Christians and we belong to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. That's what our founding fathers believed in, and that's what made our country so great and invincible. Amen. That's the first phase of a three-step successful plan. The second way we know America was founded on Christianity, this is what made it so great, is believe it or not, our founding curriculum says so. It's all over the school. You saw the quotes from the original schoolmasters. Listen to this. This is what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 Here's what the scripture says. Paul says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Why? Because as you study the word of God, you get to be a workman. That needs not to be ashamed. You can rightly divide the word of truth. Now, folks, again, believe it or not, our founding fathers took this passage, yes, a Bible passage, okay, to heart when it came to guaranteeing the success of our country. Listen, folks, they knew that the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, as good as they were, that that was just an outward shell that could only provide general direction for governmental issues, okay? But listen, they knew that the Bill of Rights and the Constitution could not tame the internal heart of man, okay, from sin, okay? It could not keep man under control. They believed the taming of the heart was to get everybody in America reading the, work, uh, the, the word of God so that they would, become not, they would be able to rightly discern and understand God's truth and live their lives by it, okay? They knew that unless something could be there, to stop the heart of man from being sinful again, that once again, it's not gonna take long, one generation, two, and they're gonna go right back into the hands of tyranny and oppression again. So listen, that's why their second stage plan was not just to have Christian leaders governing our nation. Number two, they wanted to have the Bible in schools. They wanted Christianity taught to guarantee that the hearts of the nation would remain true to God. 
And again, folks, if you don't believe me, let's take a look at the founding education of our country. You tell me if they didn't want the word of God in there clear and clear. Let's take a look at the facts. The first colleges formed in America, 123 out of 126 of them were formed on Christian principles. And yet we said, no, they wanted out completely. Excuse me? Okay, up until 1900, it was very rare to find a university president who was not an ordained clergyman, a pastor, is who used to run our universities in our country, okay? The New England Primer, America's first textbook, okay, that we used for 210 years, you know, in schools. Listen to this. Here's how kids were taught the alphabet. A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. C, Christ crucified for sinners died. Z, Zacchaeus, he did climb the tree, our Lord to Z. That's how kids used to learn the alphabet in our country. The 107 questions at the end of the New England Primer, you know, the, the elementary uh, textbook. L listen to the, some of the questions from their final. How would you like this have on your school final? Um, what offices does Christ execute as a redeemer? How does Christ execute the office of a priest? What is required in the fifth commandment? What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? That was taught in our elementary schools. Dare I say some churches don't even teach that anymore. But that used to be taught in our schools. Okay, let's continue on. George Washington made it crystal clear that American schools would teach the Indian youth, quote, the religion of Jesus Christ, and Congress assisted in doing so. Okay, even more so in 1782, Congress had 10,000 Bibles printed for use in schools. And he put them in there on purpose. Thomas Jefferson, somebody, well, he wasn't even a Christian. Well, listen to what this so-called non-Christian did. He wrote the first plan of education for the city of Washington, D.C. He adopted two textbooks, the Bible and Watts Hymnal, which is a music book, a hymnal full, chock full of Bible verses. That, that's what you went to school for. And that's from the guy who's supposed to not even be a Christian. And he hired clergymen, pastors to be the teachers. Excuse me? Let's continue on. 1854 edition of Webster's Dictionary had biblical definitions, Bible verses, and Webster's own testimony of personally receiving Jesus Christ. Boy, that's been ripped out, hasn't it? Okay, America's first school was Harvard, believe it or not, and was founded by guess who? Pastor, Reverend John Harvard, okay, whose official model for uh, the, the school there was for Christ in the church. That's why you go to school, to get better equipped to serve other people in Jesus' name. That's why you went to school. Not anymore. Here's what it is. Harvard had several requirements which students had to observe, one of which was, quote, let every scholar be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies. Here's the whole reason why you go into school is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. That's why you went to school. And yet, what are we being told today? What are we being told to say? Why do you go in debt? Why do you borrow all this cash? The whole purpose they save in education is just to get a good old job, right? So you can, and a good job is defined as one that makes a lot of money because you gotta have a lot of money. You gotta buy a bunch of stuff that nobody needs to impress people you don't even know. Huh? Woo! The purpose of an education is not to get a good job. Our founding fathers knew that the purpose of an education was to show yourself approved unto God. That's what they built our school system on, and that's what kept the internal heart of man from going back to rebellion and tyranny and oppression. Because listen, kids grow up to be adults. They become the next generation of leaders. And they knew that their generation was sold out for Jesus Christ, but if the next one wasn't, or the next one even worse... They'll forget all about it. And the heart of man is continually wicked. 
and they will go right back what they just fought for and they'll take us back to tyranny and oppression and schools have been ripped out with the Bible and prayer since the 60s and now it's out of the courtrooms and what do we have today? The schools was the second step of a major massive plan to keep our country on track, successful and great for Jesus Christ. Folks, we have got to get back to that in our schools. In fact, unfortunately, we're learning the hard way. Daryl Scott, he was the father of Rachel Scott who was killed at Columbine. You know, our great educational system today. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. And listen to what he told Congress. He said this, quote, he, he went to Congress. Here's what he said. He says, the death of my wonderful daughter, Rachel Joy Scott, and the deaths of that heroic teacher and the other 11 students who died must not be in vain. Their blood cries out for answers. In the days that followed the Columbine tragedy, I was amazed at how quickly fingers began to be pointed at groups such as the NRA. He says, I'm not a member of the NRA. I'm, I'm not even a hunter. I don't even own a gun. I'm not here to represent or defend the NRA because I don't believe that they are the ones who are responsible for my daughter's death. He said, I am here to declare that Columbine was not just a tragedy. Listen, it's a spiritual event, America, that should be forcing us to look where the real blame lies. And much of that blame lies here in this room, Congress. He says, what has happened to us as a nation? We have refused to honor God, and in so doing, we have opened the doors of hatred and violence. No amount of gun laws can stop someone who spends months planning this type of massacre. The real villain, he says, lies within our own hearts. And he said, so I wrote a poem, Congress, four nights ago that expressed my feelings best. And here's what he said. He says, your laws, Congress, ignore our deepest needs. Your words are empty air. You've stripped away our heritage and you've outlawed simple prayer. Now gunshots fill our classrooms and precious children die. You seek for answers everywhere and you ask the question, why? He says, I'll tell you why. It's because you regularly restrictive laws through legislative creed and yet you fail to understand Congress it is God is who we need and when you get away from God you go back to tyranny and oppression and violence we have been lied to I really hope that this doesn't just stir your heart. Whoa, did you hear that? Our amazing heritage. Yeah, Christians. Because the problem with our country is not our school system. And believe it or not, it's not our country, the government. The problem is the church. The third way we know, folks, that America was founded on Christian principles is because our churches used to say so. We're the backup plan. We're the last fail stop to guarantee that our country continues to be great. But if the church goes, the country goes with it. And that's what we're seeing today. But here's the good news in the scripture. This is what our founding fathers firmly believed in. This wonderful promise from God. Even if the first two failed, even if somehow, some way, could you believe it? That we would actually have non-Christians in our government. Can you believe it? If we'd actually get to the point after 210 years of teaching the kids the alphabet, A, in Adam's fall, we send all. Can you, and somehow we strayed from that. If, if, if somehow, can you believe it? If that were to happen, praise God for our ultimate backup plan, the church. The church will never budge, or will it? But here's the good news. If the church gets back on track, 
the country gets back on track. Here's what the Word of God says, 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 14. Need to grab the context, folks. Here's what's going on. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, you know, he laid that good foundation. He got it all started correctly. You know, like America, like our foundation, all right? God showed up on the scene and he appeared to him at night and says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. America has had such a wonderful destiny. No time in the history of the church has a nation been used of God to send the gospel to all corners of the world and millions upon millions of people being saved. We have had a wonderful privilege as a Christian nation. And God says, I've chosen this place. But here's the good news if something bad starts to happen. He says, but if you see in your country, Solomon, America, you see me shutting up the heavens so that there is no rain. Or if you see me commanding locusts to devour your land. Or if you see a plague starting to spread among your people, you know your nation's going down the tubes. Here's the great news. Now read this. If my people, who's my people? Is that the non-Christian, the secular person? That's us. If my people who are called by my name will pray. No, 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 no. What's the first one there? See, we skipped that. Isn't that interesting? Humble yourself. Oh, God, we have fallen. We have sinned against you. We've murdered almost 10 times the amount of people as Hitler, and their blood is on our hands. Oh, God, have mercy on us. That's humbling us, not praying. Don't skip that step because it won't work. Then you pray, he says that, and then you seek his face, not just some one-time shot. Suck carpet for a long time, weeks on end, months on end, a year. Seek God's face, turn from your wicked ways. Don't say, okay, and then go back to it. Get away from it. Turn from your wicked ways, Christian. Then here's the awesome news. God will hear from heaven. He will forgive us our sin, and what's he gonna do? He isn't just gonna heal the church. He's gonna heal what? He's gonna heal our land, the country, okay? And this is what's amazing. I truly believe the founding fathers knew this. This was their third step in a fail-safe plan. They knew that even if we got out of line as a nation and our Christian rulers became non-Christians and they didn't teach the Bible anymore in our educational system, they knew that if we, the church, would just humble ourselves, then pray and seek God and certainly turn away from your wickedness, God is going to heal us. Yes, even here in America, folks. And he's going to be merciful to us and heal our nation again. This is what our founding fathers knew. This was their fail-safe plan. This is what they're keeping from you and I. Because if we understand their plan, we can get out of this mess. Number one, we have to elect Christian leaders in our nation again. There's another lie. Well, if I vote for that guy, the other guy will get in. Yeah, but that guy, he's also pro-abortion. How could you throw your vote that way? Yeah, but it's not as bad as that guy. But you see, if I vote for that guy, then I'll be throwing, here's the lie, I'll throw my vote away. You're supposed to vote Christian based on Scripture. And if nobody upholds Scripture, then vote for somebody else. But don't cast your vote and put blood on your own hands for these men who want to murder. It's not throwing your... If everybody who claims to be a Christian in America is supposed to be 80%, 
If they voted truly based on Christian principles, not only would this country turn around overnight, but you wouldn't be throwing your vote away. We would ensure that every single time a Christian is voted in office who will stand on the word of God. But we're being told, no, I've got to vote between the lesser of two evils. Show me the verse. I have to vote based on the word of God. And if it only comes out 1%, I'm standing on the word of God. I didn't throw my vote away. I cast it upon Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting that doing right, he will bless that. Not choosing the lesser of two evils. That's the backbone that our founding fathers had. Number one, the people were to be Christians, including the leaders. Number two, the education in our country was to be the church, uh, was to be Christian. And number three, the churches were to listen, preach the word of God with a message of revival and repentance to turn away from sin. Why? So we could avoid disaster and getting spanked by God as a nation. And if you don't believe me that that was the success story, hey folks, hey listen, listen to Alexis de Tocqueville. He came over here at our nation's uh, founding and he, he says, why is, how could America do that? How could they take on England and whoop them twice? More than that, they were trying to do some sneaky stuff with the War 1812 and all that other stuff. They kept whooping them. How? Just a bunch of ragtag Christians. He said, here was the power he discovered. He said, I sought for the greatness and the genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers. You know, the economy. He said, it was not there. He said, I sought for America's genius and success in her fertile fields and boundless prairies, and it was not there. I sought for it in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. Listen, he said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. He said, America is great because America is good. But if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And that's exactly what's happened today. And he's talking about a spiritual goodness. Our founding fathers knew that even if we as a nation got off track, listen, all we needed was for our churches to steer us back on track with the word of God. And that we would humble ourselves. And that we would start living for Jesus Christ. Turn away from wickedness. Seek God's face. Woo! He's going to heal our land. But what do we have today? Do we got pulpits aflame with righteousness? Or compromising with sin? for the sake of popularity. No, here's what we got. We got wimpy pastors behind wimpy pulpits that's produced a spineless Christianity. We got parents who can't stand up to their own kids, pastors who can't stand up to their own congregations, religious leaders who can't stand up to politicians, and churches who refuse to stand up to an unconstitutional government. Our founding fathers must be rolling over in their graves. What have you done? Church, you were our last fail-safe protection plan to make sure that we never go back to tyranny and oppression. Folks, on this Independence Day, I encourage you and I at sunrise to deal with the facts. If there is any hope for our nation, if we are ever going to regain, listen, our independence again, because we need it, because we've lost it. If we're going to get out from under the hands currently of tyranny and oppression, we have got to grow a spine. 
We have got to get back to the spiritual backbone of our founding fathers who not only declared, listen, as we saw today, it wasn't just give me liberty or give me death. It was give me Jesus Christ until my dying breath. We have got to put God back in our government, back in our schools, and back in our pulpits if our country is going to turn around. And if we, the church, lead the way back, yes, at sunrise, then the good news is God will hear us from heaven. He will forgive us our sins. And listen, he will turn our once great nation into a great nation again. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this. We don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment 
we are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a of death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a of death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.